right. Welcome, everybody. It is episode 70 of Hot Take from the Kitchen. We are back in the kitchen finally after a lengthy time off, but that's life. So we have Ken Gimble in the kitchen as our guest tonight. So welcome, Ken. Happy to have you on. Thank you very much for the invitation. No problem. Finally to, glad to finally have you on. Had some trouble getting you on here, but finally on. So that's all that matters. All right. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Hot Take from the Kitchen. And our email address is hottakefromthekitchen at gmail.com. It is H-O-T-T-A-K-E-F-R-O-M-T-H-E-K-I-T-C-H-E-N at gmail.com. And there are no new emails. Apparently there are some comments or something. Did you go to Specs Howard? That's pretty good. What was it? Go to Specs Howard, like the broadcasting school. That's pretty smooth. No, no. Just had 70 episodes to do it. So. Oh, okay. Just a second. I'm pulling it up. All right. Oh, sorry. There we go. I hate dead air, too. Yes. I didn't know we jumped in the mailbag so soon. And did you buy a condo ticket for that uh, massive barn you want? I'm going to. We can talk about that. All right. I didn't know we had this up. So, Steve posted, the mailbag has been slow. Any questions or things you want us to announce, put it here as we are recording tonight. And Zane Kiffmiller asked, what's the news about the possible marijuana shops in town and what is going on with the new brewery that's supposed to come soon? I don't know about any of those, so hopefully Steve or Ken knows. I can tell you what I didn't know. I don't know anything about marijuana shops, but I, I just heard that the brewery's still in progress, but I heard they had some water volume issues coming in to do some reworking of, I believe, the water main or something of that nature. And I was work, going into uh, the loft <laughs> the other day, and um, in that, okay, cool, cool there. Um, I saw Tyler Greenway walking in, and I said, when are you going to get me beer? And he said, soon, hopefully by March. And that was as of Tuesday night, so that was last night. So that's pretty recent. Um, As for the marijuana shop, what I know is that the city right now is determining, while it has been passed and it has been decided that we're going to allow it in our community, we are deciding how much of it, in other words, how many shops, and if we're going to place any restrictions on those shops, the main thing they are running into is it has been found out that if, Let's say Cannon opens a marijuana business and he leases a building from me. I wanted to update that building and I needed to grant funding to set up that building. I am not um, eligible for a grant funding if a marijuana business is. So that's the first thing. And then, of course, anything that goes on with that. So any type of grant funding within that that is tied into that business will all automatically be denied. So they're trying to make sure wherever it is set up, there's not going to be like, for example, that giant building that Cabin Creek is connected to with the, you know, the, um, the old antique store. The old antique store. Obviously, that building needs a lot of love. Obviously, that building would qualify for lots of funding. There's some grant money though, and 
just things like that. So they're just making sure everything is right. I am looking forward to the brewery <clears throat> kicking off, though. Yeah. I mean, you like beer? I like yeah, I beer. Do. I do. I haven't brought some tonight. I've only had two beers this year. Yeah. I had one at um, Austin Brothers because I wanted to go get a picture of the Igloo. And <laughs> then I had one with Justin. Um, I took a four-pack over there. We each had two. I had one with him, and I took the other one home, and it's still sitting in my fridge. Hmm. So I'm trying to lay off the sauce. Beer, not whiskey or bourbon. Just... And it's helped. I have gotten smaller yeah. by not drinking 7,000 calories in a can. So, um, yeah. I will say Austin Brothers has expanded my beer palette a lot. I'm really enjoying the Mercs and some of those heavy IPAs. So, looking forward to the new brewery kicking off. Yes. Um, I just think anything like that's good for our community. So, the only one that's going to open a business and so on and so forth. I, I get excited about that stuff. So yeah, it's good for the talent. Yes. More than earlier. Yeah. They say that if you can get to three or four, it makes it like a destination for the beer connoisseurs to kind of come visit your town. So yeah. I can see that. I mean, that makes loose sense to me. All right. We have no trivia question. I think we're all out. That's what I was wondering. Um, I'm all right with it. Plus, I don't have access to it. So. Oh, that's right. So why don't you tell everybody what's going on and why we're just kind of off our game with a little bit? Well, I got a new phone today, an iPhone, so I've gone to the dark side. People that listen to the pod know that I've given you some grief over this yes. over the years. Yes. So uh, I'm trying to get it all set up now, but it's a very slow process. It will be, especially searching over from Android. Yes. So it will be. You should know one thing I didn't tell you, that if you decide to go back to Android, you'll have to email Apple for them to unlock your um, text number. When I switched from um, Android that one time, I actually had, I found out the hard way. Hmm. It's like, it's because of iMessage and the way the system works. They like kind of... I don't know. But one of y'all, it's just a simple phone call. I said, hey, I moved down to Android. And they're like, okay, we'll just let it go. But you'll try to send a text and it won't go through. You know, like, what the hell is going on? And it's trying to sell it, send it to a proprietary iPhone address type of thing. And I don't know. That's a mess. Pretty much is the dark side. <clears throat> it is. All right. I guess we'll move on to some hot takes. I got lots. I emailed them to you, but I spelled your name wrong. I didn't put that underscore in. So I'm going to shoot from the hip, both of us. All right. Oh, I have. Four. And I guess we'll start with the Kansas-Kansas State brawl. That's one of mine. Did you see the fight, Ken? I did not. I did not. I'll let Brad tell the story. All I know is it was the end of the game, and one of the Kansas players dunked on the Kansas State player and then stared him down. Did he posterize him with the dunk? I guess, yeah. And I guess the Kansas State player got pissed off. and. No, that's not what happened. Okay, so Kansas is up by like 30. They're dribbling the ball out. Kansas State steals the ball from a guy at half court, runs down and tries dumping the ball. The Kansas guy hacks the crap out of him and stares him down. Like, you big dummy, what are you doing here? But he hacks him. I mean, first of all, he shouldn't have stole the Kansas State shouldn't have stole the ball. Oh, it's, a, it's a replay of what happened earlier to Kansas. Yeah, exactly. So this time the guy follows him like, no, we're not doing this. 
but then the whole fight ensues. Then it just takes off. The melee explodes. Yeah. And the only thing that really bothered me about the whole thing is that the people were way too fast getting out of the court. Like, it would just have been a 5 on 5 I know that sounds terrible. Spills in the stands. This type of crap happens. What I didn't like is those benches clear out. Like, like malice at the palace fast. And that's what I didn't like. It's like they knew we were – it's ready. Like, well, I saw still <clears> one <throat> of the – I saw a picture still from the fight. And there was a Kansas player who had a chair over his head. Right yeah, the and the coach grabbed it. So kudos to the coach because he picked up yeah. a stool when it was full, which is, and he was going to use it, and then the coach just yanked it from him like, son. So by far, the MVP of that fight was the coach that pulled the chair. There's a lot of bad juju in that fight. There's a kid in um, street clothes that was really into it all. He got knocked down, and he was getting stomped on by a Kansas player. It just was a, not a good fight. Pour way right over into the stands, third, fourth row. I mean, no, it went all the way to the yeah, all right, right to the, the wall. Right? Yeah, so it was just not a good fight. So, that yeah. being said, I'm okay with a good rivalry. Oh yeah, it, there's just a little bit escalate something like that. Yeah. All right. The next one was Game of Thrones was supposed to end with three movies, not eight episodes. Oh. So they were going to make three movies and release them in the theaters. But I guess HBO put the kibosh on it. it like, Makes sense. We make movies for TV, not for movie theaters. Yeah. So, I mean, interesting to see what would, what would have happened. HBO would not want to give that up. I mean, no. I understand both sides. I I'm in. Super smart. Yeah. I want it. But yeah, the only dark, the only downside to that I think would have been cool if HBO could have realized the benefit of that, like. You could, but they probably would have rolled them out sequentially, one year at a time, like Lord of the Rings type of yeah. or every other year, and they could have done little mini episodes probably in between there. I don't know, but I get it. I understand. I think it would have. I don't think it would have pleased all the diehard Game of Thrones fans anyway. Cause, yeah, I mean you're only doing like six hours or something like that, so then. You're never going to please everybody. So, All right. My next one was a three-year-old in Britain joined Mensa. So he was able to have his IQ tested or something, and he tested in the 99.7% percentile. I got nothing on that. So, <clears throat> other than? He's three years old, so he could probably grow up to be the dumbest kid on earth. But right now, he's the smartest kid on earth. Yeah. So, all right. And my last one was Major League Baseball is going to use robot umps in spring training to call balls and streaks. So, what you think? I think it's stupid, but the game is built around human error. You can't. There's some subtle nonce to the game, nuances to the game. I think we all know that. My favorite thing was Greg Maddox and Roger Clemens, the way they would expand and move to the strike yeah. zone. There's an art to it. Um, do you think it'll open the strike zone up more because it'll be like the real strike zone instead of like this limited strike zone that the, that the umps call to? It'll make it a little more difficult on the batters? Possibly, yes. What My problem with this is is it's, it's the same problem the NFL has, has right now. 
Yeah, I don't know how the NBA has been able to really dodge it so far, but I don't think they really have. Yeah, well, it's just our need to get it right. Like it just has to be right, and in the super modern, everything being recorded and accessed super fast age, it's just this whole. It's like we're obsessive also with it, and it's just like I don't know what the answer is. Did you guys see the Lions-Packers game where they had the bad calls and everybody mm-hmm. was freaking out on the news, right? That's where Dan Orlovsky went off. He's like, you can review it in the booth in, like, seconds. Like, it wasn't hands in the face. It wasn't to not make it as – to slow the game down as much, you know, mm-hmm. that, that they can do that. And I think – I like it better if it's more accurate, you know, for the game. But I do I do get, like, the history of the game, though. I mean, that's – you know, and like I love motocross, and I kind of don't like when they change the history of the sport that's been going on for like yeah. sixty years. You know, mm-hmm. that's you know, it's not as old as baseball, but you know, I get changing the game because I've seen the uh, mechanism they were using, and they were doing it. What I can't remember what minor league series they were testing it out in this last year, and the one up was like, yeah, this thing's actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You know, I just. Um, it's just another step towards Skynet. So. Which you're not a fan of. No, I'm not. So. <clears throat> All right. You got any more? Oh, yeah, lots. Derek Jeter, Hall of Fame. One person didn't vote for him. And we're not going to know the way I was set it up. Unless he reveals himself. Well, from the post in Sports Grouper and Johnny's Walkie said it was Bob Costas. Saying that he could <clears throat> prove that. Derek Jeter wasn't the Yankees' best shortstop ever and all this. I don't know if it's really Bob Costas or not. I don't know, but what's interesting to me, though, is, like, how flawed that system is. Well, yeah, it's stupid. So I wanted, I wanted to get your take on that. How do you feel about Derek Jeter? You know, <clears throat> when – when I lived in Kalamazoo doing my undergrad, that was kind of like, it's, there's a guy named Jeff Stan who's like a six-time motocross, supercross champion that literally gets like no recognition. Best rider in the world, best racer, team Honda, best team. And Derek Jeter was playing baseball and he got all the recognition. So back then I didn't really care for Jeter so much. But as I've kind of grown and seen like his leadership and his sportsmanship, like I've become a fan of him. So I, I, I think it's great he's in the Hall of Fame. I mean, the guy was a total stud. You know, great leader, seems respectful, you know, like a good, like a good dude. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's a dude, you got to have a beer with him. You know, he'd be a good mm-hmm. dude to just, you know, but he's also like a multi-millionaire, super lavish. <laughs> yeah. It's it's cool, though. I mean, just a dude from Kalamazoo that just became like one of the best baseball players ever. I am a little bummed that Lou Whitaker's not getting any love because he's got some better stats than Derek Jeter that I, I was kind of looking some stuff up because I kind of seen some of the hardcore baseball guys mm-hmm. kind of questioning like, why is Lou Whitaker not getting any love, you know? Yeah. So I don't like that aspect of it, but yeah, Derek Jeter, definitely first timer. Everybody should have voted for him. I think. I came around very much like you late to the Derek Jeter party. I think it's more just because I didn't like the Yankees. I still really don't like the Yankees, but after a while you grow to respect what somebody does. I think it's kind of people that like hate Tom Brady or dislike Tom Brady. You yeah. might tell him about Aaron Rodgers at least. I don't like the Packers, but I at least respect Aaron Rodgers and what he kind of does, which I don't like to 
kind of wonder a little more now what that actually is. But anyways, um, he's great at his craft. You respect that he's great at his craft, but you hate the Packers, which I don't like well, the Packers. I don't know this for a fact. Okay. Some talking on pure speculation. There are a series of athletes out there that from the word on the, on the street. Now, again, I don't know them. But did you ever see the movie Tin Cup? No. Okay. Sorry. Phil Mickelson goes into this basket. They're just jerks. Like, they act really cool. But if you ever really actually get him into it, supposedly, and I've heard Aaron Rodgers is the exact same way. Okay. He's just a real dink. Like, he's not necessarily. Okay. But I respect that, the level he does play at. And then he does it. I mean, I don't know. There's no Danica <clears throat> Patrick envy in there? No, no. No, definitely not. Okay. So, um, that's that. Um, let's see what else I had. I, impeachment. I at least say it. Yeah, it's started. I mean, we're eons away from it. By the time, I mean, there's a good chance that they could not have the trial done by the time the presidency decided. Yeah. And then Antonio Brown. He's a wacko. He's gone off the deep end. Did you guys watch the HBO special with him with the Raiders and that? I forget that. Mm-hmm. Those are hard knocks. He, he was great in that, though. That's the thing. Like when I was watching that, he seems like a hardworking. And then you're seeing the other aspect. You're like, what the hell's going on with this guy? Well, I think part of it for him is he got used to slash spoiled with the attention of being famous, of being a famous athlete. Yeah. And I, he doesn't have that now. So I think he's constantly trying to find ways to pull himself, to pull the the eyes back yeah. on him, even if that's acting like a fool right now. That's part of, I honestly believe that's part he of it. He just needs to play football real good. and You know, that's the thing. I don't think anybody's going to touch him, though. I know. He has created a complete dumpster yeah. fire. XFL. Like XFL. So do you feel... The CT had anything to do with it. They said that is the the theory. I'm sure there's something going on there, but we won't ever know until he's dead, right? Yeah. Until they can find a way to test for it while somebody's alive. Yeah. So, I mean, he had. Some, I mean, we all know very serious head traumas. So yeah. those perfect kids are just. I mean, it's probably playing a part in it. But. Yeah. My problem with that is, is that it's like you're giving him an excuse to act yeah. disrespectful to police and so on and so forth. So that's what I don't like. But it does make you wonder. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I did see the tweet today that said a year ago today, right now, they were paying Ben Roethlisberger as the bad person in Pittsburgh, and that's why Antonio Brown was leaving. Like, everybody, remember, like, he was like, Antonio Brown's going to leave the Steelers. I don't want to be a part of this mess. And everybody's like, oh, man, Ben Roethlisberger is the problem. He's racist, and that's why a talented receiver like Antonio Brown's leaving, blah, blah, blah. Everybody's mad. Like, why don't the Steelers do something to hang on to him and keep a 40-year-old quarterback that can barely stand up? And then you kind of look at it now in a different in hindsight, and then you realize that they probably saw some things where they were like, this dude is bad shit nuts. He is. And you wonder how much they covered up, right? I'm sure they did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, So, anyway, that's probably good riddance, but good luck. 
So um, the Steelers are one of the most respected franchises in the NFL. So yeah, I don't want any bad publicity coming towards their, coming their way. Given though they still have Ben Roethlisberger, who's done some bad things. He's but a different anyway. guy too. Yes. Anyway, any more? Let me ask you this. Because I don't think I'm just going to say this. If you know, allegedly, like Big Ben, you're not a fan of Ben. Not just because he's a stealer or not, but just as him as a person overall. Yes. I run into the, the occasion every once in a while where I might have to sell a car to someone I don't necessarily care for. How do you feel about that? Hmm. <laughs> it's a difficult situation to be. Do they like you? Yes. But you don't care for them. I mean, it can be as simple as the other day, I'm sitting there at work, and the guy goes, yeah, that China man over there, he's the one that helped me out. And, you know, I think he wants me to sell him a car again, or wants me to sell him a car now. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like, well, I really don't like what you just did there. <laughs> Do you sell him a car and just not work as good of a deal? No, this is, this, these are the things. Do I just say, hey, you know what, I'd just rather you just talk to someone else? I mean, there's a whole bunch of different things. Different things, you know, like, I mean. I mean, I totally violated sales code when I bought Suburban from you. Yes, 100%. But I was like, we're friends. Yeah. Like, I am buying it from Steve. And you can do that there. I mean, you can do that there. You just have to make it at a point to say it. And if you don't, it defaults. Jeff and Paige were great examples of that. They bought their first car from Brandon. Brandon's close to the door. They walked in. Brandon said, hey, hi. Then he sold them that. And the second time Jeff and Paige came back was just like less than a year ago. They came in. By then, we had a relationship established, me and Jeff and Paige. I mean, like, I've supported them. Brandon never did a damn thing for them. And, um, you know, we kind of talked, but Brandon sold them their cars. So then it kind of defaulted to them. That was a huge mistake. And that is the fault in the system we have there. However, it's just every once in a while, I'll have someone reach out. And I'm just like, eh. But you're I just want to know what you guys think. I respect both of you. If somebody's calling you a derogatory name, I don't think it, I would want to sell a car to them. Right. At the same time, you know me. One, I don't want to lose. Yeah. I don't want the dealership to lose the deal. Two, I mean, I don't, I'm going to take the money. So I guess it's just an interesting thing. It's come up a couple of times over the past. Hey, I'm not from China, bro. In this situation, (laughs) I forgive the person that was dealing with him. He came, walked up to someone and the guy pointed at me and this person winced. Like, I don't like that. You just said that about him. And I appreciated the wins, you know, because the problem very much. The problem is in our community is that that is not, abnormal for a yeah. large portion of our community that are just like, and there, and, and if, I'll be honest with you, there's a portion of our dealership that probably were thinking nothing of it. You know, the people I work with would be like, oh yeah, that's whatever. You know, and they just yeah. let you go instead of saying, Hey, this is not an acceptable behavior. Yeah. We are not going to tolerate this anymore. Yeah. <clears throat> and then that's an awkward place to be. And, you know, 
whatever. I can see that though. I mean, yeah. I can. So I just, I don't know. I just like to get your thoughts. And do you think he meant it derogatory? Or do you think he just no. thought you were from there? No, I don't think he means it derogatory. I, I just think it's no different than I just, it's just a normal Alpino thing. Yeah. You know, they don't, they don't mean China. I don't just mean yeah. like, you know, when they're not going to call me a racial slur, so to speak. But they're just going to say, you know, oh, <laughs> yeah, right. And that's kind of where we're, that's where it's right on the fringe. You know what I mean? Like, and I guess part of my problem is, is that we've gotten to a point in society where maybe well, if you want to have the political correctness argument. I could, you know, that's a whole different discussion. But what it is, is it's like, where's the line for myself? Like, I wouldn't like... I'm like, oh man, that's not cool. Because we've done a really good job of starting to correct some behaviors around. You know, hey, that's just not cool. We shouldn't say that. And we've gotten a lot better at it. But you know, in situations like that, that's like, oh, we're just going to kind of move on. You know, and then it just it's just this weird gray area. But I think it's not just me, right? And what I mean by that is, that I'm sure other businesses deal with this with other types of things, like. Maybe you you come in. This bags in with I know you're not like this, but maybe you come in and you don't want to talk to a female. You know, you're like man, like we have we have two female salesmen, salespersons, and maybe you just don't want to deal with them. Like I don't want to buy a car from a girl. I'm like what's the point? You don't know what you're talking about. I've seen that firsthand with Shannon. I've seen a guy like oh, don't even matter if like, you know what you're talking about. And I know for a fact that she knows more about that pickup than that jerk off does. You know, it's just like it's crazy, like just to see how it is. So, yeah, yeah, I can see where you're saying from from that type of perspective. Where I get it, you just, it it's uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and it's equally as uncomfortable to go, sir. You reference me as this, but I am not that. Mm-hmm. And in the future, you should do this. Yeah, I'm Steve. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. You wear a badge. A magnet? No, at the thing you have a badge on, like I'm Steve Jacobs. Yeah, we do now. So we just got a new name tags. We're, and we're big time this year. 2020, we're, going, we're coming out strong. It's first and last name. Yeah, we have the last name. I Are bought that name tag Windsor myself. Yet? You're in full Windsor? I'm not in full Windsor. I, I full Windsor on special occasions. And I don't do it at work. <clears throat> I tell you what, you your next car, I'll go full Windsor. How was that? Okay. Yeah. All right. So And Brad. If I decide to wear a tie with Brad Pace up his car, I'll go from Windsor. I used to give him a really tough time with his ties. That's funny. I only know how to tie a tie one way. <laughs> I appreciate that about you. Matt Say is a full Windsor kind of guy. He is. Yep. So. All right. So anything else? No, I'm good. Oh, I was wondering about the trivia thing. So that's good. Well, we will take a break because we're right there. Yes. Long intro, but you knew it would be because have a lot to talk. Yeah, about. and then the whole thing is going to be a long pod today. Yeah. It will be so. All right. All right. On our show today, by the way, one thing I realized from my 2020 goal, I had a couple goals for myself. 
And one of them was to film myself more. Like through, especially on my Instagram story, to put myself in front of that camera more. And one of the things I noticed was, and I listened to the pod, but I don't, and everyone who listens to the pods are going to go, duh, with a big duh. But just like you say, all right, before I start trying to talk, I say so. All right. <laughs> and I wasn't there, there. I am working on getting rid of the so. It's very hard to do. It is. Because I don't even know I'm saying all right. All the time. All and right, everyone is laughing right. at you and me right now like, two big does. Like, <laughs> duh. Anyways, on today's show, super excited to have Dr. Ken Gumbel. That's pretty wild to hear that. Is it not? It is. That actually felt more exhilarating than when I actually defended my dissertation. It was like super uneventful getting done with it. It was just kind of like, okay, you're done. You're Dr. Gimbal now. That's and that, that's it. It's so that weird. would have been kind of and, weird. and then there's cake. There's like, hey, there's cake and wine. Yeah. It's just kind of a weird combo too. I know for me, I got to walk across the stage and they handed me <laughs> my diploma and yeah. my cohort was with me. I know Dr. Work is so much just you by yourself plugging away. So at what point did you start your doctorate? I started it in 2008, a year after I had my first daughter. Wow. And I had finished my master's in 2007. Okay. And it's just one of a colleague I worked with, a super brilliant guy, was on a board at Wayne State. He's like, hey, they're starting a PhD program in this. And he's like, I think with what you do and how you think this would be great. I totally didn't realize how much work it was going to be and how much effort it was going to take, but it was just kind of one of the things that in the, somewhere in the end game is being a professor at a university. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like to, to be a professor, you got to take the PhD route. Right. And so that's kind of why I did it. It's, I don't want to say retirement plan, but uh, one of the things that I enjoy doing is helping people become better in, in my profession one of the things I was able to do early was connect things that I learned in education and applying them in work. I seen other people kind of struggle. So I figured at some point when I could go back and be a professor, I would kind of try to bridge that gap a little bit because a lot of professors are brilliant people, but they do this obscure research in this super focused area. That's actually never going to get applied, applied in any type of practicing industrial environment, but they're just pushing the limits of a thought. You know, and it's it was crazy when I got into that world because I'm not really as wired to be a researcher by myself. I love the team environment. I like working with people. I like talking. You know, I like learning about people. So that was a grind. You know, and I'm actually my wife was a huge supporter because I wasn't maybe always the most efficient student in that space. Mm -hmm. So. <clears throat> In my master's program, it mirrored one that was done by oh, some um, Wharton. The Norton program, I'm mean, the Northwood program, mirrored the the Wharton school program. Nowhere near the same prestige, but they mirrored the type of program the way it worked. One of the things they found with the Wharton program was that forty percent of the people that entered this program end up getting divorced, over throughout their 
throughout their um, getting their master's degree. So what they decided how to address that was is by um, you would also have a um, a personal counselor as you went through it to help talk to you and help navigate your personal life and all the things that you have. I 100% agree that if your significant other is not on board with you during that process, it would be extremely difficult. The other, the other part of it was I didn't really need it. Like I'm always trying to make myself a better version of myself. So I like to learn. It was kind of a way for me to keep learning. I didn't really need it. So as I'm going through this and it's getting hard and the time and because you're creating new knowledge, you're not like showing, hey, I can do this practice. You're you're literally reading all this really obscure research and you're trying to find gaps in it. Then you're taking your thought to go, well, if we do this and then show that it works, you know, that it's feasible to work. And that's where it's really hard. So there was times when you're going through it and you're like, is it really worth this? Do I need this? I got two kids. I'm married. My career is good. Yeah, this will probably help at some juncture, but I don't need it right now. It's, you know, hopefully if my resume is on a desk with another guy and they go, all these guys have done the same exact jobs and they have a lot of things that show improvement. They go, well, this guy invested more in himself and kept learning and pushing through and persevering that I get an advantage that way. You know, it's just kind of one of those things that I thought would help at some juncture, I, I, when they're when they're laying them all on the desk and they're going, yeah, this guy, that lady, this person, and it'd be one of the things to separate me, you know. So it's kind of one of the things I just kept in my mind when I'm trudging through this thing, and you know, I'm watching people on the lake out tubing, and I'm sitting there trying to read this stuff. Like it, it was super difficult at times. Stephen Brad texting you, come with Austin Brothers. Yes, you know. <clears throat> Yeah. Michigan football game frustration, trying to work on that, watch the football game. Mm-hmm. You know. I can relate. I still don't know if I, I made a smart decision getting my master's. I, I honestly do not need it at all to sell a car, 100%. But I learned a lot of valuable things, and I think this is what we're going to pivot to here next, is during that program, I made some unbelievable relationships. I was able to some relationships that are still paying tenfold dividend for me and our dealership. So it's hard for me to say it was a complete waste. I mean, I'm paying for it now. That's where I disagree with what you're saying because I've seen you because one, I, I've, I told you you're a hustler. Like you're a guy that's moving. It's like you're driving stuff in the parade. You're doing this fundraiser. You're, are in the law fundraiser, Thunder Bay Theater. You just got all these things going on, right? You're connecting things to add value to different enterprises. And at some point, it's things that you learn from your masters. It's all these things. Like you started with a toolbox that was like the little craftsman bag. You can maybe put like a hammer and a couple screwdrivers and some pliers in. Mm -hmm. Now you got the bigger box. You got some drawers and some specialty tools. And you don't think you're applying it, but you're applying it. Oh, I agree to that. So it's not a waste. You're just... You kind of look back at it, it wasn't fun. That, that's the thing, it's not fun. It is not. When you're done, it's fun. You know, I'll get to walk across the stage in a couple months here and get that because I just defended it late in the year, so I didn't get to do that yet. Mm-hmm. The cool part, though, was my kids and my wife got to go watch me publicly defend it. Right. So that was, you know, and it was, my, you know, my wife's like, I don't know, like the girls, like it's advanced engineering stuff and 
they're not going to really understand. I was like, you know, it's more of the process of seeing it done. Like they're going to see it done one time ever. And, and it's that, that me, their dad, they have been with you while you've been working right. so hard. So they get to see that pay off. One of the things when I closed out at the end, I kind of thank my wife for supporting me and fighting through this and it taking over 10 years. And, and I said, you know, my oldest daughter was one when I started and my youngest daughter wasn't born yet. She started in like my second going into my third year. So they've literally, like I've been a student their whole life. So, you know, hopefully it's a role model for them to go, you know, uh, my dad grinded through this thing. Like he did not quit. Even though at some point there were times I was thinking about aborting the mission and I would have been all but dissertation. And that was on my mind. I was like, I can't be all but dissertation. Yeah. You know, there's so many people that they get to that point. And, uh, you know, my advisor, my main advisor um, at Wayne State's name is Dr. Ratnabebuchino. He's a brilliant guy. And he was so supportive. And I was a total pain in the ass in this thing because I was just struggling to connect. Like I like real world practitioner stuff and he's in, I mean, this guy gets unbelievable NSF grants and all these super difficult to do just research, unbelievable research, you know, and work with these people at, at like the leading institutions. And he's like, Ken, you're so close. Like he'd be like, you should be done in like two months. And I'm like, yeah, that means like I, in my world, that's like two years. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, we'd go back and forth. And this guy for the last two and a half years met with me every single Thursday at a Starbucks on the corner of Rochester Road and 20, I think it was 26 Mile. Like he would meet with me every single Thursday at 6 p.m. We'd meet. Like I just finally shut off my reminder that I need to go meet with him on Thursdays. You know, so it, it was... It was a process, but like yeah, I had a bunch of cheerleaders, mm -hmm. you know, going, yeah, you're almost there. And, and I was working kids, wife, you know, trying not to miss figure skating and dance and, you know, all these artistic things that I don't typically do, but to be there and see all that stuff. So, I mean, there was a lot of balls in the air all the time, a lot of driving. And your kids get to see the value you put on education or and you made it a priority and that will echo with them. I, yeah, I can already see that doing that. I mean, both my daughters, I mean, even before I was coming over here, my one daughter's frantically working on some math homework and, you know, I'm like, Hey, I'm going over Steve's. We're going to do this tonight. That's barely Brad's, but you know, and so, but she's like, I got to get this done. I want you to check it before you leave. So I'm like, all right, you know, just work through it. And it's, she, you know, and it's been pretty cool because there's been some new teachers kind of coming into the school system that, you know, it's not that they're, they're, they're fresh, like they're just coming into their craft. So they have a ton of enthusiasm. They're bringing in like some newer ideas and they're new to the community. So, and it's a pretty awesome community up here too. <coughs> so it's a little different. There, there's some things that are, um, I think, beneficial living up in Alpena versus I love the work intensity of Detroit and the metropolitan area. I like that intensity and the competition and, and, you know, there's just so many different levels of good professionals, you know, to work with, but I love this community too. I love the freshness. I love the, you know, just the outdoors 
and, and the, pro- the proximity of everything, you know, yeah. you can, we go to figure skating and dance and do all this stuff in one night. When you're driving around Rochester, man, sometimes going seven miles takes 45 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, so there's an ease of doing things up here that you get, you know, so. I know we were at the Chamber of Luncheon last Friday or this Thursday, and we had to write down our greatest um, adversity or one thing that you have to fight with at work. And I wrote on mine was maintaining intensity. And just when you were talking about that, I know I'm at my best is when I'm just like, I got just to burn my saddle and I'm ready to go get it freaking done. But you can only maintain that intensity so long and then I burn out. And that's what happened to me last year. By the time I got to October, I was done. I was done with everything. And that bled into everything. I mean, I was done with work. Therefore, I, mean, I was just burned out in life. I was done with the pot. I was just done with everything. I didn't want to do anything. I was just like, I just want to go home and sleep. And it's tough when life's still churning you forward. And you're just, I mean, I had nothing left in me. But I spent a long period of time trying to recharge. And my whole thing for 2020 is now figuring out how to protect that energy so I can maintain the intensity when I need it. Yeah. You know, I love podcasts and stuff. So I listen to a multi different ones. One of my biggest outlets is motocross. I love the sport of motocross. I've raced motocross just been like something I follow, but there is a trainer that does this podcast and he started like a lot of people talk about, running and lifting and plyometrics and all that stuff. And he started talking about, he's talking a lot about nutrition, but he's talking a lot about rest. And he's like, stress, hydration, rest. And I, I started looking at myself too, going, you know, I'm working 12, 16 hours, going to the gym, working on my PhD, driving a lot. And I started looking and thinking, and I'm trying to diet down, you know, trying to lean out and I'm doing all this stuff. So I did, I cut some nice. I said, you know what? I'm going to eat a little bit freer. You know, I'm just going to kind of do whatever. I'm not even going to worry about that. I'm going to sleep. I'm going to make sure I sleep. Mm-hmm. That's one of the big ones too. And it's tough. Like when you built your body around not sleeping, getting into a groove of getting sick. I mean, even six to seven hours of sleep, like it's a, it's a tremendous change for your body because my body would wake up at like two 30 in the morning. Go, all right, Ken, you've had four hours of sleep. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I need to sleep more here. You know, it's that when my mom passed in 2015, the next month I said to Allison, <clears throat> I'm going to start getting sleep. And I didn't get a lot of sleep because I was working on my master's rightfully so so I was doing but I made at least getting six to seven hours of sleep priority in my life and it really changed me and the main thing I've um, noticed which you can't tell because I'm always hacking along out here but I don't get super sick anymore I can't even tell the last time I had a sick day I just don't get sick and I think a lot I do two things I do two things one I always wear a hat in the winter time because you know to cover my ears and the other thing I do is I try to get six to seven hours of sleep at night and if I don't, I mean, you can never recover sleep, but I just make rest a priority. I think it's something that's under, not understood very well. So through your, there was, so oh. I just did it. So, so, so um, who are some people 
that I know you are very much on um, take pride in like leadership and um, educate yourself through that. And I know you not only um, how do I want to say it. You like to see it. You like to recognize it, and you get excited when you see good leadership too, as well. Um, what are some of the things um, historically? Some of the mentors or people you've looked up to, or things you've learned from. Well, you've met my dad, mm-hmm. and he's a pretty special guy. Hundred percent. Right? My mom is too, but my mom <clears throat> more compassionate, more. My dad was. My dad's all but dissertation of his PhD. Like he, and it's one of the things that haunted him. It's one of the things that drove me. Is he was like, I should have finished it. He could still finish it. He just has to pay a bunch of money and do a bunch of work again, which now that he's older, he's like, you know, it's not really the juice ain't worth the squeeze Mm -hmm. at this point, but it's something that he personally wanted real bad. You know, I had, I got a great family. So I'm very fortunate in that aspect. You know, my, both my parents, both my sets of grandparents, I knew Um, my dad's father was a, a little gruffer, a little, he's a World War II vet, um, just a hardworking guy, didn't go to school past ninth grade, went in the army when he was 15 because he had some illness and he wanted to get the thing and they went to World War II. Fought on Omaha Beach on D-Day. You know, your family's telling you to do stuff. You don't always, you don't always buy it. His, he was kind of like a, like he was very relatable to people. And it's kind of weird, you know, when I think, because he's the kind of guy that could go into a bar and he knows like in 20 minutes, he's talking to everyone at the bar and he's bringing people together. He's like a big, like tougher looking World War II vet, survived Omaha Beach on D-Day, did, you know, campaigns and invasions in Sicily and North or um, in Africa. And, you know, so he had just went through a lot. So he was like, a guy that I hung out with a lot. And one of the things I kind of spent a lot of summertime up in Johannesburg, even though I grew up in Clio. So we go up and cut wood and ride four wheelers. And I would drive cars on roads when you shouldn't be driving on roads. It was kind of the, he had worked with an individual at General Motors when he was an older guy. And this guy comes out of college and a real dominant personality, fullback from Purdue, just like a driver just making shit happen like but real dynamic personality so my grandpa tells me about this guy i mean a little bit from the time i'm like five till i'm in college like i know this guy really smart guy great leader yeah yeah grandpa yeah yeah i, I hear you so i am driving to a motocross race when i'm doing my undergrad and i pass this really beautiful plant i'm like oh wow it's american axle manufacturing so i get home and like one of the things I did is I called my grandpa every Friday. So every Friday I called, I said, Hey, you know, I seen this plant down here. It's called American Axle Manufacturing. And I said, I'm going to go apply down there. I'm going to go put a resume in and see if I can get an internship in the summer down here. I work in metallurgy. I was doing a metallurgical engineering, a materials engineering undergraduate. So he's like, I know this guy, right? His guy. He's like, he works there. He's like, I'm going to call this guy. I'm like, okay, grandpa. <coughs> so he's like, all right. You need to be down in Detroit on February 14th, 1997. So he tells me. I'm like, okay. So I go JC Penney's, get a really nice pinstripe suit, white shirt, red power tie, go down to the American Axle headquarters in Detroit. And I go down there and they always have people that take you, kind of show you around the facility. So this guy, 
is driving me. Actually, my dad and my grandfather came down there. And so we're driving around the facility and stuff. And then we go up to this office. And so this guy's the CEO of the company, founder of the company, got the investors to buy five GM plants and like made this thing happen. So I remember the moment the guy walked in the room, it like changed the atmosphere. It was like, whoa, like the way he dressed, the way he walked, the way the intensity he spoke with, it was like, whoa, like this guy is different. He sits down. He's like, all right, what do you think of this facility? And he's like, like he was, they were showing me forging presses and like these huge upsetters making axle shafts. I mean, this stuff is like red hot. There's scale and shit blowing everywhere. Yeah. Like it's a, it, but like he's cleaning this thing up. Like you can see a transformation going on here. And, it, and it, you know, he's like, this is going to be the premier axle manufacturer in the world. Like we bought these, these assets that just hadn't been maintained for years. For years, he's like, and this guy is just like he's living this, and I'm like, man, it is pretty, it's pretty cool. I'm like, I got it, man. You know, I'm, you know, I'm what, yeah. 21, 22 ish. Yeah, it's it's really neat, you know. Like, he's like, do you want to come work here? I was like, yeah, I do. He's like, okay, well, we're gonna start you on this date in this facility. I'm like, oh, I mean, it wasn't a lot of questions, like other than, do you want to come work here? You know, and. I had the opportunity, his name was Richard E. Dow, Dick Dow, to, like, I met with this guy two to three times a year um, to understand what his vision was of, like, transforming. I mean, at the time, it wasn't even a billion-dollar company. He took it to, like, a $3 billion company. It's now a $7 billion company, but it's through some mergers and acquisitions. But I just, like, it was, like, the first time outside of my family I got exposed to this type of leadership that, I didn't, I didn't really know that that existed and it just kind of piqued my interest. I mean, I started to listen to like Jack Welch from the gut books and, you know, I'm a, I got a lot of loyalty. So like he started cheating on his wife and get divorced. I kind of was like, yeah, he's not really living the principles he's talking about. So, but I, I kind of look for leaders, but I'll tell you the guy walked, he walked the walk. Like if he said he was doing something, he did something like it, it was no bullshit. And that's what was super high standard. You know, I guess wrote a couple of notes on actually about the guy. So ultra detail where this dude could pull the fly poop out of pepper. I mean, he was like, and, and you're talking about 13,000 people, like literally knowing everybody's name, you know, you got lines with hundreds of people on him. And he's walking out like, Hey Steve, how are you doing? What's going on? Like, you know, he like had a book of like all people that they had family, like all this stuff, like people were super important to him. And it was, it was really like, and then from that point on, like I got way better in college and I was like, and his, his sons, like he has two sons that are one played football in Miami of Ohio. One was a West Point grad, the West Point grad. I gravitated more towards his education. I just thought this dude's a total badass, right? West Point grad in engineering, captain of the football team, army ranger. I mean, the guy's screaming badass, like, you know, re really good leader. And he went to MIT for a master's in engineering and Sloan business school. And I'm like, wow, like it was, I was getting exposed to 
leaders that like I really didn't understand what exists. I know my dad was trying to tell me to do this stuff, but I didn't connect it. That was my first leadership connection. It's like, wow, you can make an impact. I just remember like that day, February 14th. It, it's so vivid. I can remember the energy. Like the hair still stands up on my neck when I talk about it. And I see in his son, and I remember even being kind of pissed at myself thinking. I should have put more effort into some of my educational stuff. Like I kind of, I did good, but it may became a little too natural to me. Like I didn't have to grind as hard as I needed to. One of his, his name was Rick Dow. So the dad was Dick, the son was Rick, the other son's David, both brilliant guys, super intelligent. The MIT West Point son, Rick, had another buddy named Michael Dora. MIT grad, super brilliant guy. I got to work super close with this guy for about two years I pretty much worked directly for him and just very articulate, very detail oriented. I just kind of remember those early years thing. And I, you know, I had the opportunity to take that guy to dinner a couple of years ago. And I was like, I didn't realize what I was learning from you when I was like fresh out of college. Mm -hmm. I said, but you know, I learned how to take what I learned in school, fix problems in a company, you know, and that, that was a big thing. Like, that's what in engineering, they just teach you how to solve a problem, right? You just get it in a book. It has a bunch of words. You organize what you can use. You know, what do you have? What are you looking for? Okay, and then you you lay the, the scientific method out to, to work through the problem solving. Process improvement. Yeah, it's it, it's it's problem solving. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. just, you have this problem, the way it teaches to organize a problem. And so that's what I learned how to do right out of school. But I remember thinking that, like, wow, because I remember seeing – because we were hiring a bunch of MIT guys and West Point guys and just U of M guys and every, a bunch of really smart guys. And they're all like, this, this school stuff doesn't apply to this. Like, this is – and I'm thinking, yeah, it does. It really does. It does a lot. Like, look how many problems are in this place. Like, that, that's what the purpose of this is. So that is probably, like, the most – outside of my family, like the first major influence I had that said – this leadership thing's super important and it's pretty interesting. And it's, it, it created a passion, you know, and I do get excited about it. So awesome. we're going to take a break right here because we're going to run out. Of, we did, we've recorded 30 minute segments. Okay. So we'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll continue. Right. It's been hard getting a chance to work out when everything closes so early and I don't get done working until late at night. Where can I even go to stay in shape? Zen 24 hour fitness center is the place you seek. Whoa. Where's that at? It's located at US 23 South in Alpena, across from Kiff Miller's Produce in the Lutz Plaza. Wow, thanks, God. Anytime, bro. Zen 24-Hour Fitness Center. For more information, find us on Facebook or call 884-4397. Zen, find peace in your busy life and get a workout when you want it. We've established that um, you have some great leadership mentors and a passion for it. <clears throat> what do you feel is some of the most important character characteristics or skills that you think a leader needs to have? Hmm. That's an interesting question. I really think one of the things when I look at hiring people is attitude. Cause I kind of look at, you can't train someone attitude. You can give someone a boatload of techniques, things you can use, tools you can use, but you can't train someone to have a positive attitude. You can't train someone to make, the desire to get something done, mm -hmm. you know, it, 
And when you're in a bigger organization, when you've had it, you will see there are people in there that don't want to get stuff done. They're like trying to like get to work, do as little as possible and go home. That chased me. I, I like passion a lot. I like integrity. You know, I like people that commit to doing something and follow through upon it. Because you see a lot of examples of people saying they will do one thing and then not doing it right. It, and I almost think sometimes in, in the culture here, it's kind of acceptable. Like people accept people are going to say they're going to do something they don't. One of the things living out of the country for a little bit is like when I lived in Mexico, like if someone said, Ken, two Fridays from now at 630, we're going to go out to dinner. They're not going to call you. They're not going to remind you. But on that Friday at 630, they're expecting to meet with you. It's not like the thing you go, hey, we're going to get together and we never get together. Or we're going to, yeah, let's have a beer and we never have a beer. It means like at 630, two Fridays from now, our families are getting together. So make sure that's on your schedule. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's like a cultural thing. Yeah. And it's a super offensive if you're not, yeah. if you don't do that. But I, I like that. So you know, the integrity, you know, I like passion. I like passionate people. I like people who want to make things happen. I think grit's important too. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think the ability to, I think <clears throat> being able to handle adversity, I always joke right now, we're getting ready to start fundraising for Art in the Loft. Right. Remember, <clears throat> you're going to be this year too. I'm really excited about that, by the way, um, is that, I sell cars all day long, so I'll talk to 20 people, and there's a good chance that, like today, when I talk to I talk to 10 people today, not one of them bought a car today. Now, would some of them are going to buy a car? Yeah, some of them are, just not today. And they'd be able to learn how to take the rejection, <clears throat> but understand that this we might have lost the battle, but we haven't lost the war yet. And being able to just kind of pick yourself up and dust yourself off and get back out there again. But then you get the exhilaration of the guy that shows up in his avalanche. And he's like, hey, you know, my dad's thinking about getting like a Suburban or something like that. And you're like, hey, I got this really good deal over here. Mm -hmm. He drives it home. His wife's like, you know, it's a pretty nice Suburban. And he comes back and says, yeah, I do kind of like that. What do you think we can work a deal out on that, mm -hmm. right? That's how it is. You know? I just Which think is how our mind went. Like yeah. I literally was not intending on buying a new vehicle at all, <laughs> but I had this app. I loved, I loved how the avalanche looked. I just rolled in there. My dad's like, you know, I'm thinking about like a Tahoe or a Suburban or something. I pulled her to Steve and she's like, I got this Burgundy Suburban. This is like three years ago. And I'm like, man, that thing's pretty nice looking. I drive it home. I pull it in the garage and my kid's freaking out. They're running to grab a leash. I'm like, someone's in the garage with a different vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of, you get the high of that. Like some dude just shows up out of the blue and he's like buying a brand new Suburban. Mm-hmm. Then you get the, the rejection. I never looked at it like the rejection. So we don't feel that when I just stop in there to chat with you every now and then. No, no, not at all. But <laughs> Especially when I'm in the vibe. You know I'm not parting with the vibe. Oh, man. <clears throat> the so question is, is, is Lily going to drive the vibe? No. That's the question. No. She'll, she'll probably be driving like a Tahoe or something like a little like, – like the K2XX version, like the one from like – that ended in 13. I, I like, like it. Something like that, you know. The kids are going to have to have a gas card. By then, by the time they're driving, the industry standard will be 35 miles to the gallon. And 
you'll have them running around and something getting seven miles a gallon. Uh, you know, that, that should be <clears throat> this whole electric vehicle thing. You know, I just, the whole, when you look at the whole, how do we make power, power plants, right? Using a form of a natural resource, right? I, I get trying to do that disposal of the lithium ion batteries and all that stuff. Like I just, it's a, it's a good gesture. It's a, there, but the technology, the technology will grow at some point. You know, I just love the sound of an internal combustion engine. Like I just, I've always loved dirt bikes. I've always loved trucks. You know, I was telling you, I was giving Steve a super hard time. So I'm like, that is not a blazer, like that new blazer. I'm like, that is like an envoy or something. Like a blazer is like the K5, like the square body off road that you can jack it up. Like that's kind of one of the things like it should have leaf springs on it and be able to be lifted if it's a blazer, you know? Just made me think of another movie. So. <laughs> Go ahead. So, yeah. So I don't, I just, I cringe at the thought, like even electric dirt bikes. Like I just love the sound of a dirt bike. And I, you know, I do. So I tend to read the stuff of the, the scientists that go, yeah, if we shut off every power plant and we got rid of every iPhone, iPad, tablet, vehicle, never drove another mile, it would change the temperature by 0.1 Celsius. You know, so like the like everyone kind of skews the data to their advantage. So I like that data. Mm -hmm. It says like we're, we're, our carbon footprint isn't affecting the climate as much as maybe like the Earth's rotation and it shifts a little bit relative to the sun and that stuff. So I don't know. I haven't studied it that much, but I just, everybody's freaking out about the brush fires like over in Australia. And you got 24 people getting arrested. You got another portion throwing cigarettes out and doing some other weird stuff that, you know. So here's my take on climate change. Yeah. I firmly believe in it, but here's my problem with it. If we, let's say, reduce, let's say we're going to put out a policy that's going to reduce our demand, reducing our emissions by 3%. <clears throat> And then you already know, imagine as a former plant manager, <clears throat> you already know what that's going to cost. You mean, you're, you're yeah. just, did you, did you, did you, know that you just see the money. Now you're already fighting China. The, who's already doing things that we, you can't even do because you have so many regulations already. Now I've just added another one. If we're going to set American industry on a standard, we need to do one of two things. Either A, make sure the rest of the world does it, which they're not, let's be honest. Yeah. Or B, then we need to say, we're not going to deal with you. Like, we're seriously not going to put ourselves at such an already competitive disadvantage. And that, that's really my main problem with it all. Do I think we need to do something? Yes. But if you're going to let China pump and Russia pump 10 times as much as even our worst factory in the United States does, all we're doing is hurting ourselves at this point. Because what happens is, we price out American industry. Everyone's like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to buy Chinese stuff because it's so cheap, like Walmart does. And then what do we do as a consumer? We run to Walmart because it's so cheap. It's just like this whole cat chasing its tail thing, and it drives me nuts. Because it would be one thing if I honestly felt like I would say over 75% of the tree huggers, for lack of a better term, or environmentalists there. They probably shop at Walmart, which is the absolute worst thing you possibly do. Or they're going to do whatever they can to buy the cheapest thing. I mean, it's either – and that's my whole thing. is for the people that are really getting mad and truly pounding their fists on the table and saying, oh, my gosh, we have to do something on the planet. 
really, what are you doing? I, I guess I look like there's the climate changes. There's the carbon footprint, which we're, there's no doubt about it. The carbon emissions are up. That's like John Stossel had something interesting. We had these scientists on there going like, we want to talk to these people that are saying like the earth's going to end in like 13 years because of, because of all this stuff. Cause we're saying it's going to be 0.1 Celsius to 0.4, which the human body can acclimate to is we're not going to die from that. You know, and so that's the thing is it doesn't seem like it's a it's a scare tactic. And there's some people saying like, yeah, the climate's always changed. It's never been exactly the same, you know, but how much does we should I'll tell you one of the things I was thinking about the other day was just recycling in the area in general. Like it doesn't cost us to do anything of that, but we really don't do it. 100%. It, it's super half-ass mm-hmm. up here at best. And we live in like this super beautiful area. I literally, you know, driving home from Detroit, I see people like, you know, Curtisville Road that cuts between um, 33 over to 65. Literally, uh, McDonald's bag just in the middle of the road. And I'm like, for real, like you're in this area, there's not a house for 20 miles. And you literally couldn't hold that thing in your car for like another 20 to take it to somewhere and throw it away properly at least to get it to go to a landfill if not recycle the paper and put the plastic somewhere and do all that you know but that's that's one of the things that chased me a little bit too is like for us to start recycling really doesn't cost anything it's just doing it but we want the government to tell us we should do stuff better but we could start doing that immediately like mm-hmm. we could start a movement in alpino like we could start recycling like right now yeah well i know the flow group that our friend meg is a part of yeah. You know, we would love to ban single-use plastics. Yeah. I mean, it would be amazing to be able to do that. The reality is we're not going to do that, though. Blair Street Bridge and Squaw Bay are great examples. I always talk about when I first moved here in the early, early, early 80s or the late 80s or mid-80s, I'm sorry. to took me forever to get there. Squaw Bay was ripped to the gills just like it is now, and everybody's worried about 23 going to flood over. That was a real thing that we were worried about back then. Then, fast forward 10 year, 15 years later, the lakes dried up. People were like, oh, my gosh. They were saying it's a, the earth's so hot that the lakes are evaporating. That was a real thing in our yeah. community just four or five the years ago. salmon are gone. Yeah. You remember that. The lake was dried up. And they were like, Squaw Bay went forever. It was just all weeds and everything. Everybody was all fired up. Now you look at it, look where we are right now again. There is a cycle to it, is my point. Is that to say that we're not polluting? We 100% are, and we could do so much better to do it. I agree with that. That's that's where I look at it. Like, I think the panic on one side is like a scare. There's just totally things we could do that don't take that much effort, don't need – it's just doing the right thing, you know, That and we overcomplicate it. Like, we need someone to tell us we should do the right thing. Like, I drove around. Like, I went to Greenway. I had, like, a bunch of cardboard and stuff, and – the guy's like, yeah, we can't take that stuff anymore. You're going to have to pay and we're just going to throw it. I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, oh, we lost the grant money. And I'm like, well, where can I take this? Like, I literally got a cart full of cardboard and stuff. He's like, well, there's a place over by the, uh, what's the fairgrounds? Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, there we go. But it was just like, it was a little bit of the not knowing. And I, and I made me think it's like, that's a super simple thing, plastic. And there's not even a place for glass. My understanding is majority of our recycling just gets put in the landfill anyways in our community. Uh, yeah. I've heard that. And I'm, I mean, 
Brad's a great person. You look right behind you, and we have many guests comment on Brad is a very strong advocate for recycling. It's amazing. I don't recycle as much as Brad, but there's a good chance that all the work Brad does and all the work I don't do, and it's all ending up in the same spot. How discouraged are you right now, Brad? It's pretty discouraging. In reality, like we're making a little joke of the year, but it's I, I'm not it's being disappointed. It's, dis- it's disappointing. Yeah. <clears throat> but do we need someone to legislate us to, to do that? Like to really like oh, yeah. if everyone in Alpena started using that, would they take that stuff and still put it in the landfill though? Probably that's where you're going. Yes, that's 100. So our friends of the pod, I just said so again. Um, Jeff and Page, very. I don't want to say liberal, but it's the only word I can say, have much more looser views of things than I do. When we get right down to it, they are very much more of a Democratic. I am very much a word of a Republican. But what it comes down to is we both have traditionally, when we've had a lot of good conversation, our, our differences boil down to this. They would rather have the government legislate things for us because they don't trust corporations. I, on the other hand, don't like the government butting in. I'd rather have less government on things because I believe the government is just as corrupt, if not more corrupt. And I'm being just how it is. So that really, when everything that we argue about, it really comes down to that when you get down to it, like for us. When and I think it's interesting when you talk about recycling, just not how you, people want the government to say, hey, well, this is what we're going to do, and this is what we're going to have to do it. What's interesting is, is how many people would be outraged to that? How is the government going to tell me that I can't, or I, I can't use plastic bottles anymore? It would just be fascinating to see how many people would be upset about it. Or if you had to, when you bought stuff, you were responsible to report out on disposing of everything that you bought. Like you have an obligation to, you know... It, it seems like such a simple thing that gets overcomplicated. You, you know? No, I, I know what you're saying, yeah. but you think about it, it's like, okay, we just need like six bins here. We need a glass bin, a metal bin, a couple different plastic type bins that you can't mix the plastic, the cardboard bin, a paper bin, and put all the stuff in those those bins. You know, but but then you got people like I I see people throwing bags out everywhere, mm-hmm. or and it just blows my mind that we live up here. And they're throwing McDonald's bag. I know it comes from, there's a couple McDonald's, right? Hmm. Same coming out of Rose City or Mayo, couple McDonald's, you know, in that 10 miles, you just, you couldn't keep in your car. It's a mindset though, of like not caring and not respecting stuff. You know, it's kind of. It's just, it baffles me. I'm, I'm right there with you. So let's go back to what we were talking about. I said so again. Sorry. Any other leadership attributes you find valuable you know it's it's pretty simple with the i like passion so that's passion the integrity and the commitment you know it's i I just like people that you love brad then i do so brad has a passion for helping kids in our community he's super passionate he's branded this race for three years now going on four yes we're going to get to that. I'm slowly leaking it out. It's building it up to an upcoming episode we have planned. But he's done it three years. Super passionate about it. Dedicated. Just a lot of things. Brad is your guy. I mean, he is your poster boy. I, I feel the passion. Just losing out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's a fun thing, though. Like, it, 
learning that you can influence people. That's really what it is that you can inspire or, um, I mean, I actually had a super cool thing happen last week. So I look like to people as like kind of like metaphors or like a, an inspiration to keep moving ahead and fighting through stuff. Right. Well, I, there's a, there's a wakeboarder named Randall the Vandal Harris. You know, I got no tattoos. I'm, pretty clean cut guy. I do get like the hip hopish beard every now and then, but this dude's tatted everywhere. Like, and he is like the essence of aggression on a wakeboard. And he's kind of went through struggles though. He's had like his struggles of addiction, quit for a couple years, came back like bigger than the sport, like just doing, and he's kind of like an artist, you know, like his thing is just, huge jumps just really like he he just likes a certain style there's just like a certain image that he wants to do and it's just different from everybody else he rides probably seven miles an hour faster than everybody else he rides like a 25 foot longer rope so he's getting way bigger air landing way out into the flat water and i had had some dialogue just when he first got on Facebook with this guy, it was, and that's one thing cool about social media is you could, so the guy goes off the grid. So I start, I finally find a wakeboard podcast. It's like a, it's kind of a niche sport. I email the guy. I'm like, Hey, are you going to do a podcast with this guy? He's like, I'm working on it. Don't tell anybody. So he's like, you got some questions, send them over. So anyways, questions, and we go back and forth and he's like, it's happening. I'm like, all right, awesome. I can't wait to hear this thing. And so the guy kind of goes silent on me. So I'm like, hey, I'm like, is this thing happening? Like, I'm really waiting for this podcast here. He's like, it's happening tomorrow. And I, so I said, hey, when you meet with the guy, you just tell him that I'm finishing my PhD. That guy was a huge inspiration. And there's a lot of parallels that can be made from the effort he put in to be great at what he does. And I try to parallel that to what I do to be better. He's like, yeah, I'll let him know. I'm like, all right, cool. So podcast comes out like last Monday. I'm listening to the podcast and this guy's like, Hey, I want to thank somebody. He's like, you know, he's like, you got quite a fan base. And he's like, a couple of months before we did this, I get an email from this guy. He's like, I'm a really big fan of your show. I'm going to do an interview with the Vandal. He's like, don't tell anybody I'm working. And he's like, this guy, Ken Gimble and his buddy, Kyle <laughs> sent over 27 questions. <laughs> Just and, a few. And he's like, but then he's like, he sent me this message and he read my message to the guy and the guy started to get emotional, tatted up like the, like I'm on the Mount Rushmore, that sport. He's like, that's an unbelievable to get the message I sent him. And I was like, wow, mm -hmm. you know? So, you know, I look for just anybody for inspiration like that, you know, and that's the thing. <clears throat> I find tattoos, hair, um, piercings, all that stuff really interesting because to me, I could care less about any of it. Now my boss, Bruce, super strict, strict on that. Doesn't like tattoos, would not want me, doesn't not, doesn't like facial hair. Yeah. If you don't see none of her face, salesman have facial hair. Really is super serious about just that's how he likes it. Yeah. If it was up to me, I'd probably be asleep now, to be honest with you. I wouldn't be full asleep, but I'd have a lot more tattoos on me than I would. But it's just, and I get it, you know, it's an image that he likes to represent. 
my problem with that is it goes the other way too. Is like you shouldn't judge someone just because they have that because that shouldn't be a reason why you think some guy can have full sleeves and be a millionaire. That's hundred percent accurate. You shouldn't think you know. So that just goes along with my thinking there. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't talking about. It's just it was more like the the like I just looked to a lot of different things to keep me driving ahead. You know, and it, it could be a wakeboard. It could be you know, lifting at the gym, like, you know, I like lifting with Harry, you know, the dude, you go in there and the guy's pressing like 365 pounds and it's like, you can always just do more. You know, I just, I love that stuff. That's why I always try to find those different little things that I can connect to. I just like different inspiration, you know? I'm with you. I feel the exact same way about this whole step thing that you like to pick on me about. And it's not picking on you. It's branding. You. <laughs> it's branding you, you know, and it's like what separates you from everybody else. Like how many people are taking photos and how many people are putting videos out? Mm-hmm. What's the thing that makes them go, I'm going to call Steph, you know? Yeah. So I just look at the brand. I'm just trying to create a brand for you. I'm with you. So I said, so I got it. Just pains me every time I'll get through it though. I would like to – I'm going to ask you one last question, and then we'll round it out. We have about five minutes for the segment. We're going to come back with a Doer's Top 5, and then I have a whole bunch of stuff that goes along with that. So okay. we will come back. We will come back to uh, step. Any last thoughts on leadership or your whole process of – you know, your doctor program, the journey you've been on, maybe where your where your ultimate goal is, where you want to take it all. You know, ultimately, like I, I like the opportunity to achieve a lot. It's kind of the things just getting exposed to the leaders. I, I've been very fortunate to to meet some guys that literally came from nothing to become billionaires, and. I just look at, like, I think there's an envy in in our country now. People that are wealthy, they didn't earn it, they don't deserve it. I look at it as there's unlimited opportunities to be wealthy. Like, all of us could be wealthy. We can all find a way to add value. That's a little pie in the sky. But if you take a job, someone negotiates you a $22 an hour wage, and that's what you're going to make for the next 30 years because that's what's negotiated. Everybody gets that. Don't be upset that you're not making $257,000. Because you didn't try to do that. And I think that's the thing that I like the opportunity to run a business, run a, you know, run a company, take the risk, take the responsibility, not necessarily just for the money, but to, one, make a difference. Like, I, I just like to be an impact player. You know, really want to boil down to it. And so that was really the thing is to be able to go into businesses, help them add more value to the enterprise. And that was ultimately my goal. And I wanted to have fun, you know, and it, anytime you're making something better, it does feel fun, whether you run something a little faster, whether you lift a little more weight, whether you make some new friends, like that's all fun type of stuff. I just professionally, my dad, these different leaders just kind of taught me that if you invest in yourself, you will unlock opportunities to do things that you probably didn't even realize. That's kind of how, and I, I think it's even in our community, like I'm very big on engineering. Like I, I think engineering create jobs. 
And so I think that's just one of the things to start in that type of environment because it gives you a good problem solving. It gives you creativity and, and you look for things that are new that don't, you're not waiting for someone to make something for you. You're finding a way to make something that you see can make something better, which is really valuable to our society, I think. And so that's kind of my motif of what I think, but I, I like other people to think, and that's why I like career days and I like being on boards at like U of M Flint because I like to let people know that you have an opportunity to create. And that's why I always tell you this whole Steph thing, like you're a hustler. You're something good is going to come from what you do because you're passionate about it. You're hammering on the craft. You're doing lots of different things. At some point it's going to flourish into something that's really valuable for you. God, I hope so. It will. It will. You you know, and even you, Brad, you know, I seen like the donation that was at the pool the other day. You know, like all those little things are the learning experience of adding value, helping, you know, and it's, those are the attributes to get more, you know, like you're out hammering the craft, you're trying to make something better. You're fighting to create value, you know. We've spent three years learning for this year. I honestly believe that. Do you know you feel that way? Oh, yeah. With your race? Sure. And next year learn. you'll spend four years yeah. learning for next year. Yeah. And then five years. Yeah. And then 20 years. You'll be like the Dork Brothers with all that stuff that's going on. You'll be like this long-term thing. I, yeah. I mean, it, that would be all right. I wouldn't be mad about that. I think that, um, again, <laughs> Brad is truly passionate about making an impact in the community. That's not to say the Dork Brothers have it. I'm not no. discounting that. But, but it's like the long-term thing. Like those guys just started running and this thing has morphed into something that's been, how long has their race yeah. up and going on? Yeah. They, they thoroughly enjoy running. Not that Brad and I don't enjoy running. I listened to the one with Frank Churchill. You guys love running. Like heard of all these marathons and all this. <laughs> sounds <laughs> awful. It's a uh, doing a marathon. Like I, I listen, while you're doing I listen to that and I'm thinking, why do you like, and I did, and I've done the Iceman a few times too, and that can be some agonizing stuff, but running the marathon, I'm listening to you guys talk about this and I'm like, what? I won't ever run another marathon again. Well, I shouldn't say that. I won't never, but it'll take a lot, but I do yeah. plan on running a half this year. So yeah. I got to get back into shape. I'm going to be so, I'm, I'm grouchy now eating vegetables and hummus and apples and freaking not drinking beer and, it's good for you. Hummus or not drinking beer? <laughs> I have I made the statement today. I stopped drinking energy drinks. Well, Scott Bays are. is going to be devastated. And I'm sure purchases felt what they're banging energy You've drinks. seen role models, right? Yes. The movie Role Models. Mm-hmm. You know what that stuff is. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I do what I do to get through the day to sell cars. Coffee. I just... I don't drink coffee after 11. Just something I do. Yeah. Coffee is my morning thing. And again, I got rid of my Keurig. I French press everything now. Less plastic waste. I'm trying to get just small little things. I try to take my own cup into Gavin Creek now. Just little baby steps. I try to do hey, to make a good. difference. That's just energy. the total poison. <laughs> Could have got your own little... Cake up for Curie. That's like, true. I, <clears throat> I could have done that, but I'm really happy with my French. Can't press. you guys get a sponsorship for this thing from like the North Country Candy Coffee or something? So you have fresh coffee and stuff. Whoa! First of all, it's all Cabin Creek. 
What has just happened here? I'm just sorry. Sorry to tell you that. Hey, maybe it's a new sponsor. You read the rivalry or Well the Cabin Creek sponsorship. Where's that? They they got coffee. They do hot take from the kitchen brought to you by Cabin Creek. We have one sponsor and I don't it's I told them when you do it for a year. We're about halfway through. So they'll be interested to see what happens if they see what their return on investment is. I don't think it's helped them at all, honestly. <laughs> but I don't know. You never know. Maybe there's somebody that it has if it, for anything for for Zane. I know one. He does listen to the pod, so he enjoys hearing his business on there. And there's value. And there are a certain amount of people that I think do. So I mean, he chose chooses to do it, and we appreciate it. I've thought about adding another sponsor. There are other people out there that I feel like. Could do it, but 30 seconds. I, know, I saw that. It's like, drum and ball. Step back. Yeah, right. 25 seconds. We're going to come back. We're going to do our top five. Super good top five. Yes. I'm going to say it. All right. Now we're going to move on to our top five. And this week's top five is our top five 80s movies. And there's a caveat for my top five list. As is mine. All right. Me and Steve are going to not include Top Gun. because Everyone knows. Yes. All the listeners know it's our favorite It wasn't movie. even on mine. Well, we can end the pod right now. Yeah. All right. Nice to see you, Ken. Bye. <laughs> Anyway, Top Gun, Steve and I's favorite movie all time, so we're just going to not put it on our top five list so we can give shine to these other movies. Okay, that's fair, though. So I will start with some honorable mentions since I have a crap load of movies on my list. Uh, Well, just a second. I don't mean to interrupt you. You do know that Brad and I are cinephiles. We love movies. Okay. Okay, just so you know, it's like when I I went – Hey, how about we do top five 80s movies? I didn't even need to check with Brad. I knew automatically he would be in. We love movies. What was the one that I was cracking up listening to? Was it talking about Avatar? The Avatar movies? Uh, yeah. How terrible they're, how much you hate them? Because I, I don't like them <laughs> I've at all. I've never seen them. So. Well, no. <laughs> I was telling the, the Gary story. We have a friend, Gary, that loves Avatar. And I just I just don't get it. I don't. I don't, I don't either. either. I can't watch it. Like, I, I just kind of zero in. All right. All right. All right, so some honorable mentions. Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger. The Golden Child. I think it's the most underrated Eddie Murphy movie. That is a good one. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Well, Delta Force. That was the movie that you reminded me of when you talk about the blazer because Chuck Norris drives a blazer <laughs> in the movie. Uh, I love the K5 square body. Let's see. There's Heartbreak Ridge with, uh, yeah, Clint Eastwood. It's probably my favorite Clint Eastwood movie. Better Off Dead with John Cusack. Absolutely love that movie. And, of course, the Indiana Jones movies, Raiders, Temple, and Crusade. And Roxanne with Steve Martin. So... My number five is the Transformers movie. I absolutely love Transformers. 
So they made a movie in the 80s of the cartoon, and I've loved it since the day I saw it. I even got my nephew to watch it one time, and when, spoiler alert, Optimus Prime died, we looked at each other, had a moment, and continued watching. Couldn't be one of your favorite moments in all of movies. Yes. yes. I, I don't, I don't, we already discussed enough that I know that, so. Yes. My honorable mentions are a little bit different than yours. While there's a whole bunch of movies in there, three movies, Grease, 1978, Sandlot, 1993, and then um, what was the other one? There was one other movie that I was like, oh, and it's not in the 80s. Oh, Home Alone, which is 1990 on the button. So my honorable mentions are movies that would have made it that feel like they're from the 80s, <laughs> but they're not from the 80s. So if you hear those in mind, don't be mad when you see me on the street say, yo, Steve, why didn't you pick? Number five. Getting into it, Dirty Dancing. I Very few movies. Now, I'm not saying I'm a big fan of Dirty Dancing. However, working at Family Video, that movie got put in so much. I didn't know that soundtrack word for word. And honestly, I had the time of my life was like a 7th, 8th grade junior high dance song that is just burned into the back of my skull. And whether I want to admit it or not, it is a part of my life. And I don't know how many times that quote, no one puts baby in a corner. It's a great one to quote. So, so you and one of the girls at the store working on the lift? Yeah. It's just like, I got to own it. You know what I mean? So like, and I'm owning it. So there it is. My number five. So if I, if I were to throw in some honorable mentions, one of them I, I had looked up that I thought that I really like. And I kind of selected mine, like, if it comes on, if I see it on the TV and I watch it over and over again, that's kind of my base of Reservoir Dogs. But that's from 1992. That's a classic. Um, then there, I had a couple obscure ones. One's called Winter Takes All. It's a motocross movie. And in the motocross community, it's made fun of because it's like a super cheese ball movie. But there's, like, a bunch of great one-liners in there, right? And there's another one called Rad. Oh my gosh, yes, Rad. Love that movie. Like, I was going to put it on there. I'm like, nobody knows what Rad is. Like, in Winners oh, Take All, you know? You and, do. and so, because I love, I just like those different action sports, like BMX freestyle and all that. It's like, I just try to do all that stuff and skateboard and all that. And so, like, those are my things. But my number five was Karate Kid. And it's, we just showed the kids. Karate Kid within the last couple months. And they're fans of it, especially the one-liners like, put him in a body bag, Johnny. <laughs> you have to leave. It's yeah. tough. <laughs> like, Karate Kid's on my list, but it really probably is an honorable mention. So. Oh, it's like, I've used those lines for years. Yeah. You know? It's you know, I mean, even like we're, my oldest daughter and I have been watching like the Cobra Kai, like the thing that came out on YouTube. We're kind of... Yeah. I binge watched that when I was sick a few months ago. And uh, yeah, so Karate Kid is my number five just because of the lines. And I kind of, I thought for sure you guys would have that on your list. I want to get that one off first. I did have it down. It was one of my honorable mentions, but I have so many. <clears throat> yeah. I'm impressed you rad though, because that was a good movie. Yes, 100%. Oh. Yeah. All right. Number four is Return of the Jedi. Close out to the first three Star Wars movies. You have two Star Wars movies in your... Yes, I do. Okay. I was going to say it because I had to do it. I left Return of the Jedi off. 
That's fine. I have never watched Star Wars. Man, Ken, Man. I'm going to let you know right now, this top five segment for you has really affected our relationship. Kill I you didn't know. I didn't know these things beforehand because I just never got into it. And I was just everyone's playing with Millennium Falcons and that stuff, and I just that was not interested. I'm sorry. Well, you're the second guest that we've had on here. That but it's okay. I mean, it's great that people love that stuff. It's just not not my cup of tea. I was watching Winners Take All and Rad. It's a lot. It's all right. You're just missing out on the Ewoks. Yeah. yeah. So I said the Karate Kid made an honorable mention, right? Yeah. I have done four movies, and I'm really torn. And you can look at all of them, and they're all solid if you want them or not. No. It's going to really piss my wife off. Number four is The Breakfast Club. Not high enough on this list for her liking. However, it's not her list. Paige Mendoc's not going to be happy either. Oh, well. But it's my list. And can't uh, I, can't, I can't get away from the, my top three. Because I know at least two of them are probably in your top three, too. Because that, that's because we that's are best. That's a classic, though. You know, it's a great movie. 100%. Yeah, it is. I, I think it just it belongs in there. Much like Dirty Dancing. I'm not saying that that's my favorite 80s movie. I mean, these are all go down to Pen and Stop Gun. My ringtone to the top, too. What, what is that song? Time of My Life. When you call me, I set my ringtone. Oh, my God. I'm <laughs> wrong <laughs> All right, number four. All right, is it Brad or me? You. Scarface. Mm, solid pick. Super great. I love that movie. I mean, it's just a classic, like, not that I want to be a, a drug boss, but that kind of movie at times can make you want oh, yeah. that profession. <laughs> you know, there's some classic lines in there, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I just, and the whole Al Pacino thing, there's just such a, I was surprised that was an 80s movie. I thought it was for sure a 70s movie just because it looks kind of dated when you see yeah. it. You know? Oh, my God. I forgot all about that one. <laughs> I didn't forget about Scarface, but I can't let any VHS movie that's too double wide be in my top five. I hate super long movies. Even if they're good. Seal, Godfather. We can go on and on. But oh, I forgot one movie that I just thought of. It belongs somewhere in the honorable mention, but we'll talk about it. So, Well, I was going to add one more thing because a buddy of mine, I know you guys are sports buff, and there's this place down, I think it's in Troy. This guy does all sorts of jerseys and stuff like that. Well, I got a motocross set of gear from a buddy of mine that was like a top pro that I'm getting framed up. Well, I went in there, and this guy had the picture of Al Pacino with the mountain of blow. Right, and this had the way they cut the frame and all the stuff, but it was signed by Al Pacino. Really, and I, I was like, I think he wanted like a thousand dollars for it or something, though. And I was like, it is so cool, but I just can't, <laughs> I can't. But it was just, it was like he just he took he got the autograph picture, put that thing together, and this guy does like all the jerseys, like he had like a Jerry Rice and Joe Montana and like the Super Bowl, so they were together. Like just these really amazing collages, but that Al Pacino one, like it's just ingrained in my mind. And when I typed it down yesterday, Scarface, I thought of that picture again. All right. All right. Number three, Coming to America. Oh, man, how did I forget that movie? My favorite Eddie Murphy movie ever. I feel it's really got bad. my number one line from it. This is it's beautiful. What is it? What about, what about Boomerang? 
Oh, come to America is gonna. No, but I mean, is Boomerang in the nineties? I think it is. I think, yeah. Thank God. Yeah. I oh. think it was ninety-two. Yeah. All right. Oh man, I got another. Well, I still can't deviate from my list. <laughs> I, another honorable mention I got to say: Back to the Future. Yep. Hundred. I didn't have it on my list, but I do love that. That's that's a good one. Okay, number three for me. All the top three movies from here on, I've watched multiple times. Big. It's on my list. But. Yeah, big has to be up there for me. Just the dancing on the piano, just everything about it. All right. So I would have had Back to the Future, but Rambo came on my <laughs> And I turned it on, and I was like, you know, I'm going with Rambo. Really, Rambo 2 would probably be my favorite First Blood one. Part 2? Yeah, Part 2. Yeah, yeah that's – but it, it was uh, – what's – it was the first Rambo. I can't think of the name of it now, but it was on, and I was like, I got to have Rambo. Like, there's not a time when you don't see Rambo on TV that you don't conclude the movie, yep. you know? Mm-hmm. So. <clears throat> kind of the Fester Stallone movies we could have on. All right. Number two was Empire Strikes Back. My favorite Star Wars movie. So we're going to hang in with the thing. I wonder if our number ones are both of our number one, but Empire's my, it's probably not, not out of your face, but Empire's my number one in 80s movie of all time. I don't, I can't think of a movie that is next to Top Gun that I've watched more, yeah. more impact, blah, 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 blah. It's a great movie. So I will skip me, I'll just say, that, and then I will just give you my number two when I come back around. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Okay. So you're at number two. All right. Rocky. Yeah. You got a lot of slider. Top five. Just Rocky two. Just two. But I mean the uh, Rocky three and four were in the eighties, so it was kind of a That's fun. Yeah, but I, I was like Rocky, you know, the Rocky comes on, you watch them. If it's a series, you're you're watching you got a binge binge going on. He ended the Cold War, so how can you go wrong with Rocky? All right, my number one is Princess Bride. Nice, great movie. Did not make my top five, but I'm glad we have different movies to talk about. I can watch Princess Bride all day. Hundred percent, just for knowledge. My number two, which and technically is our number three, and you're technically is number two because Top Gun is number one. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Not bad. First movie I've ever seen that broke the fourth wall. Yeah. Total, and I, I love that now. And especially since I'm constantly selfing everywhere I go <laughs> now. So I think people can appreciate that. I like it even more. So, um, yeah. How can you not like Ferris Bueller's Day Off? I mean, I, it, yeah. it is a classic. It's a good one. Yeah. So. Is it me? Yeah. Your number one in the right. movie again. All right. So number one was Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Great movie. <clears throat> that's still what the high, that's high school, right there, Clow, Michigan. Right. You're a Spicoli? No, I, you know I just I like the movie a lot. You know it's a good time. I yeah. think Spicoli's a good, 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 great character in there. Probably the best Sean Penn character ever. Yeah, this is a pinnacle. His pinnacle is Fast Times at Ridgemont High. 
So he peaked early. Mr. Hand. <laughs> Not much to say about that. No. no. I thought for sure we'd have some of them the same. There's too many to choose from. So. We probably should have narrowed it down. But whatever. Yeah. We could have done action movies. Action or comedy. comedy. But it's good to have a variety. And then I think we did a great job. Yes. I was thinking, anyone who's listening to this is like, I can't believe they didn't say, I'm sure there is. And if they can, That's fine. please feel free yes. to message let us. us know. Let us know what we missed. So did anything on Steve's will surprise you, Brad? No. No. Maybe coming to America, they're not being on it. I can't believe I forgot that. That's a great movie. I remember why. I don't know it was a repeater. Mm-hmm. Yes. Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall playing multiple characters. <clears throat> Afro, the soup joke at the end. So, and sexual chocolate. <laughs> Almost said so. We're not gonna break. No, all right. Well, we'll just keep going, and then if we have to, we'll break. What are you doing this weekend, Brad? I'm going to the, the movie festival, film festival of Noah. Because Steve has a movie, his documentary is part of the film festival. So crazy, yes. And then I'm going to have Kliski Saturday. Your mom told me this because I told her about the documentary. She asked me when I was with her last week, "What time is it again?" Because Brad wants Kliski, and I didn't want it. She was worried that it was all going to conflict, and I was like, "Well, if." Brad, well, if you didn't come to the movie, I would be offended until you would tell me, well, mom's making a kuski. And then I wouldn't have been offended at all. I would have been like, well, that makes complete sense about the whole thing. So, yes. Ken, what are you doing this weekend? Competitive dance competition. Nice. Is it in town here? No. So. Where's it at? Lake Orion. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm not competing, but. I need to. I should check in with my buddy. I need to see if his kids are going there. They competitively dance as well, but they are in Grand Rapids. Oh. So they are heavy, hardcore into that stuff for reunions. So I'm struggling. Tomorrow night, Fresh Takes video contest. Yes. Us, fourth place. Good chance. I don't know how they calculate it, but it looks like I'm going to win people's choice again. Probably safe to say. There's most reactions and cheers. Yeah, and so I think I won people's choice. I love the kids' entry, though. I was pulling for them. I even commented. Is that the kayak one? Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, they were all good videos. Yeah. So um, I'll do that tomorrow night. Friday night, I'm going to the film festival gala thing. Because my film's in the film festival, and I don't want to call it film, but a video documentary on the Community Road Project in the Alpedia News today. Awesome. I have a little paragraph. Yeah. I feel conflicted about it. Two things that I come out about this. One, I know it's supposed to be about water, and the mural move documentary I did isn't all about water. Technically, I mean, it was founded upon around water for our yeah. community, which is the angle we used to get into it. And the second thing is, Holy cow, there are some amazing films in this thing. Like, just watching them. Like people have spent tens of thousands of dollars 
being on giant ships in the ocean and spending money on equipment and subs and I mean just unbelievable stuff. Good for that. Yeah. So so you definitely should come on and check it out. Yeah. Um, but that goes along with the step thing. So this will be my last year for doing fresh takes. I won't enter the video contest anymore because I have been contracted enough for this coming year that I'll be getting paid for all of it. A lot of people approaching me, asking me to do stuff for them, and I'm going to do it. I'm taking them all up on it. When are we going to do a branding launch for the Stev? <clears throat> well, it's definitely not going to be Stev. So, yes, it's about. the essence of Stev. Is that <laughs> thought what we, we came up with? Um, it'll probably be underneath my bulk tagline, unless Ricky and I merge on our 45th lens. And that gives us the opportunity to bring people, bring people like Bradley in, who also like to dabble. Would that be the proper term, probably? Yes. I dabble. Yes. We like to dabble and to do stuff and everything. No different than the Dork Brothers or Sunrise Side Strickers. Builds a community of runners. Rick and I are happy, excited to build a group of people that are passionate about shooting pictures, running each other around, learning as we've done the whole entire time. So, And we're super excited that Brad's kind of joining in, in the fun and I'm trying. We talked about today about traveling and taking photos across the world. Yeah. Which would be fun, but we both don't have that kind of money to quit our jobs and do that. So. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> next pod coming out next week, Monday night. Super cool guest. Probably our most popular guest by number wise. I mean, people that listen and share and act and everything. You want to say it? You got to say it, the whole title. Matt Mashinsky. Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer Matt Mashinsky, yes. So our buddy Matt's getting inducted AHS Hall of Fame Friday night, January 31st, 6 p.m. at the Alpena High School Boys Basketball Game. You all should come down and make time for that. We're going to talk about much more detail next week, but that's going down Monday night. We are booked solid all the way through February. With yeah. guests, so Apparently you're the booker. So. Yeah, so we might take the first week of March off. I don't know. Or we might just do me and Brad. We'll see how we're feeling. And other than that, Ken, thank you for coming by. Thanks for having me. Anything we forgot? Anything you want to touch on? No. All right. Awesome. Guess we'll. I will say one last thing. Right. Because I got the time. Ken's wife Alicia is part of a committee with me. For the APS school bond, that is March 10th, we have to get this thing passed. We do. We're, at some point on this pile, we'll talk about it. We will have a whole episode devoted to this. It'll probably be Dr. Ben Wagner. I was going to ask if you were going to have the superintendent on. And then we'll probably have someone else like Alicia or someone not from the school. Someone more, a little more, I don't know, layman for the yeah. lack of a better term. I don't know who that'll be. Yet. I can help you with that. Yeah. Get Alicia. I mean, that'd be great. Alicia would be ideal because I would like to have her talk about her side of your past eight years, too. What it was like. Because I'm sure she's yeah. got some. I, I can tell you right now, Allison was thrown when I was done with my master's. She was over it. 100% over it. Well, you know, back to the bond thing, you know, I. 
it's one of the things when you look at like the areas around Detroit that people like, why do they want to be in Rochester? Because they have these school systems that have, they're just kind of the fluent area, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know that we prioritize the education as much in this space up here. And I, you know, I think the last time, what percentage of people that have kids in school voted? I mean, it was some. It was roughly like 33%. So it was in the 30s. You know, so it just kind of showed that the people that needed to engage us and engage in this and have a voice in this didn't really engage in this. <clears throat> and some just don't care. Which right. I find that the most disheartening. Usually, when I see some negative comments on Facebook about it, I click on their picture, and they usually have a picture with a kid in it, and it just absolutely devastates me each time. Um, to debunk that theory, part of our problems is our school system so spread out. You know, when you're dealing with Rochester, first of all, the property value is more so they're getting a greater share of tax dollar. But the extra, other thing is, is that we have a school. I know there's a school system. I don't know off the top of my head, but we were talking about the story. Alpena gets the same amount of busing as this other school. Rochester Hills. Yeah. They don't have a bus. There's no busing. Everybody gets, there's no busing. So whatever it is, the 10, 20,000 or the, the dollar amount that we use for our busing, this school does too, but they don't have to use it for busing. They get to use it and put it back into their school system. Those are the type of things that we fight that just – The sheer size of our community just from that aspect, the amount of schools we have is just so big compared to the more metropolitan areas. Mm-hmm. It's just really difficult, and it's something. And of course, it's based also on property value. So we get roughly eighty-seven hundred dollars per student. You know, there's parts in Michigan that get like thirteen and eleven thousand dollars a kid. That's tough, real tough. So, all right, this whole thing has made me drink excessively. It really, I think I'm taking it way too hard. The first time meeting we had, I came home depressed. Like seriously depressed. I was like, there's no way this thing's gonna pass. And we had the second meeting and I was like, oh my god, we have so much work to do. We're never gonna get it done. Didn't think we were gonna get defeated, that's the good news. This last time I feel a little more positive, like at least we're making some headway, but I still just think that it passed in the city limits. It didn't pass in the township. And of course it didn't pass in like Maple Ridge and all those other townships either. But the city did carry it. 50.3%, by the way. Just by like 10 votes, they carried it through the city. But it's still carried in the city. So we know that the city, the people living in the city actually do care. Township areas got just their butt kicked. So like people were, and the Alpena townships, like people were where Ken lives, where I live, they still have the 49707 zip code. But they're just not within the city limits of LPM. Yeah. All right. So I'm at peace for now. You guys are going to hear a lot of it over the next six weeks. There's nothing wrong with that. No. All right. See you.